Genesis is my favorite book of the Bible. And I don't know how many times I had read through it um, over the years before I realized something that now seems rather obvious to me, uh, that all the people in it are related to each other. All the main characters, anyway. And I, I feel a little embarrassed to admit that that was a revelation to me at some point. I mean, now it, it seems pretty obvious that Genesis is not a collection of one story after another after another. It's, it's one story. And, and it's a family story because it's the story of one family, this family of God. Uh, so this morning, what I'd like us to do together, I'm going to take the lead from one of my favorite preachers, a man named John Ortberg, and take us on a very quick tour of Genesis as a family story, as we begin to look at it through this lens. And to start with, I'm going to ask you to imagine something. Imagine that one day, in the midst of a really great streak of creating really great things, God called all his angels together and said, I've got it. I have a new invention, something I want to make, something I think will top all the other inventions. It's my best one yet. I'm going to call it a family. What's a family, the angels might have asked. Well, God said, I'm glad you asked. A family means that the grown-ups, the big people, are going to volunteer to take care of a tiny little person, a stranger to them, really. Oh, well, that sounds good, the angel said. Someone that small can't be that much trouble, right? Actually, God says it's going to be a lot of work. And it might be the hardest thing that they've ever done. And this little stranger won't even be able to talk with them at first. They'll just scream and scream. And they'll have to figure out what it means and how to get them to stop. And they're going to lose a lot of sleep over that. And then one day, God says, just when the little angel opens its mouth and begins to speak a few words, it will begin to say things like, no, and mine, and I do it by myself. And it will throw tantrums in the grocery store aisles and in the church parking lot and in all the places that would embarrass the grown-ups the most. And then God says, because I'm kind of on a roll here, I'm thinking about making this thing called puberty. And the little stranger is going to go completely crazy for a few years. I mean, hormones out of control, attitudes larger than life, eye-rolling so much you would think that they would pull a muscle or something. And just when they begin to pull out of it, just when they become mature and interesting and able to hold down a real conversation, they're going to move out of the house. <coughs> and maybe go off to someday start a family of their own. So God says, there it is. What do you think? And the angels all kind of make sideways glances at each other, because who wants to tell him? I mean, who wants to tell God that he has his first truly terrible idea? That this family thing, this is not going to work. But no one, no one can talk God out of it, because as God puts it, the first time the grown-ups hold the little stranger in their arms, they're going to say something like, I never thought I could love anyone so much. And they're going to love this little person, even though it hasn't done anything really to deserve that love yet. And in fact, when it, it's old enough to do the things that they told it not to do, they're going to love it anyway and forgive it. 
and give it another chance and another and another because that's exactly what growing up in a family is about. To have people who love you enough to give you another chance. And then one day, God says, when they have experienced enough of this, just watch this, I'm going to lean down and I'm going to whisper to them, guess what? I am your father. You are my child, my son, my daughter. I love you like that, only better. The love you feel for each other, I love you like that, only better. And something is going to click. They're going to get it, how much I love them. Because that is the only way that they're going to experience just how loved they are. The only way they'll understand my love is if they get it from each other first. And so, God made families. Actually, he just started with one. God made a family, the very first family. And everything was perfect and wonderful, and they all spoke to each other in loving tones, and everyone picked up their socks off the floor the minute that they were asked to, and they all lived happily ever after, right? No, wrong. God made a family, and immediately we get the first family fight. When Eve took a piece of fruit and ate it and shared it with her husband, Adam, and then God showed up and said, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And Adam said, what? Why, yes, sir, I take full responsibility for my actions. <laughs> no, no, he said, God, this woman, this woman that you gave me, She's the one who made me do it. Don't you love that? Not, not Eve took the fruit, not my wife took the fruit, but this woman. Uh, this is what families do when things go wrong. We stop using each other's names. We say things like, you will never believe what your son did today. Or you need to ask your mother about that. This woman, Adam says, she was your idea, God not mine. And what happened next was more of the same. This is just the first generation, right? Instead of learning from their mistakes and getting better as the generations go on, things just get worse. And we go from fruit to murder in one generation. And so far, we're only four chapters into Genesis, and this family thing isn't working out so well. It just keeps getting worse and worse. And at one point, it gets so bad that God decides to just flush the whole human experiment and start over. And he starts over with what seems to be the one perfect human family, Noah and his sons and their wives. But even God's reboot of the family experiment has a lot of problems. And finally, Genesis hits this kind of low point at chapter 11. Have you ever noticed that? I'm pretty sure that's why it's in chapter 11, because it's like family bankruptcy chapter. Chapter 11 the bankruptcy chapter. This time, the people haven't just turned on each other, they've turned on God. They want to be gods themselves. And so God scatters them by mixing up their language so they can't communicate and plot with each other anymore. And the tower they were trying to build gets nicknamed the Tower of Babel because that's all they do anymore is just babble at each other. They've lost their ability to truly communicate. And that means 
that any time you look in the eyes of your weird brother-in-law or your teenage daughter and thought something like, I just can't understand you, this is who you have to think, the family of chapter 11. And I'm sure at this point, the angels are just biting their tongues, wanting to tell God we told you so, which by the way is never a good idea to tell God I told you so, that they knew from the beginning that this experiment called the human family would never work out. But God gets this gleam in his eye right at the end of chapter 11, and he rolls up his sleeves, and he gets ready to turn the page to chapter 12, because God has a secret weapon. Something he says is going to fix everything, is going to restore the world to the way he wanted it to be in the beginning. And what is it? What is God's secret weapon? It's a family. In chapter 12, God made a family. That's it. That's God's plan. This is the secret weapon he wants to use to change the world. Their names are Abraham and Sarah. And God promised them blessings beyond their wildest dreams, but the blessing really wasn't for them to keep. They were going to be blessed to be a blessing. And the blessing that God was going to pour into this secret weapon family was really supposed to overflow to heal and bless the rest of the world. And you would think, this is it. This is finally going to be the perfect family. But this family... They are far from perfect. Abraham and Sarah mess up a lot. And in fact, their kids and their grandkids, they mess up a lot. They have a lot of problems. They have the same problems as families did before and as every family has since. Because actually, there's no such thing as the perfect family. And sometimes, sometimes in the church when we start to talk about family, People who are divorced or widowed or childless or not married or have some issue in their family they really don't want to talk about feel a little left out. Like when the church talks about family, we're not really talking about their family because they don't have the perfect family. Sometimes people think, well, I have this issue in my family and I don't really belong with all those church family people. And maybe when they talk about family in church, they don't really mean me. Because we don't have the perfect family. No. No, do you know what it means if your family's not perfect? It means welcome to the family. You are just one of us, because that's all we've got here. If God could have chosen the perfect family to be a secret weapon, don't you think he would have? But there were no perfect families, and there still are none. And that doesn't mean that God gave up on families. He knew that this was just too important. That families are what God invented to show us how he feels about us. That we only understand God's love when someone loves us here on earth first. And because that's such an important idea, when families mess up, God keeps loving them and trying and offering grace and forgiveness over and over again. And that's what we're supposed to do too. When Abraham and Sarah got their divine call to be God's secret weapon, they did not always get it right. And in fact, they messed it up a lot of the time. 
but God never gave up on them. And finally, after story after story and generation after generation, God's plan finally becomes clear how he is going to use this secret weapon to restore the world. Because into their family, in a generation that was no more perfect than any other generation, God actually sent his own son to be born into this family. God makes his son their son. And God could have shown up on earth in any way that he wanted. I don't know, a rocket ship. Um, but he decided that families were important enough that he chose to be born into one, into this very special and yet very imperfect family. And then Jesus, when he began to talk about family, he blew all of their ideas out of the water by saying, family is no longer just people related to each other by blood. It's open now to anyone who wants to join to anyone who believes in him. Galatians 3.29 puts it this way, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. That's the Genesis 12 promise, friends. You, you now inherit this promise. You are blessed to be a blessing. You are God's secret weapon to spread his love throughout the earth. And you know who's in this family now? Anyone who wants to be. Anyone who claims the name of Jesus. God invites you and invites me and all the imperfect people out there into his family. God made a family, and now he calls it the church. This is the place where everyone is invited to be part of God's family. You know, some people aren't going to learn love and grace and forgiveness in the family that they grow up in. And none of us grow up in, the fa in a, a perfect place. And, and so now, now it's your job. It's the job of the church family to introduce those people to what love looks like. So that they can see the unseen love of God. There are people who won't know how much they are loved by God until you show them. This is it. It's the only plan. God's secret weapon is the plan of God's family. And it's now not just lived out in homes, but in churches and chapels and classrooms and friend groups and small groups. The church is a secret weapon that God is using to carry out his plan to share his love with the world because the only way that people will know the love of invisible God is if we share it with them. This is it. God's secret weapon, the earth-shaking, world-changing invention that is powerful and imperfect. Welcome to the family.